the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. How is puppy life treating you? It's preparing me for motherhood. <laughs> no, it does. It's so funny. Like I have two dogs and I have like a year and a half old baby. And like people, I feel like kind of scoff when you say like having it. Oh, that's her <laughs> moving my moving my ring light. No, you can't grab that. I feel like people scoff when you say that having a dog is preparing you for motherhood, but it, it really is like the training wheels. I know they're not the same, but you're still fully responsible for taking care of this baby. You've got to get up and put them outside, or maybe you'd rather just be sleeping in. Well, and that's the thing, like even when she makes noises in the morning, I'm like, oh, just one more hour. And she's just like, nope, I want to get up now. And I'm like, you win. Me and you both. I know. I'll like watch my baby on her monitor. I'm like, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Just give me like 30 minutes, please, please, please. I know it's crazy. Um, Is motherhood something that's like on the horizon for you? That's on like your, your to-do list? Yeah. Like it's like one of my biggest things like I look forward to accomplishing as a female. Like I think it's such a beautiful, like just to create life and and having a human, I guess, grow inside you is just like magical to me like I think it's beautiful and if I if I guess if it's in my plans and my body allows me to do it then I'm full ready (laughs) there's also something so cool about like that whole like motherhood journey growing a person your whole body changes you change as a person but I think also as an athlete 
that I think it's got to be in your head of not just, I don't want to say like the snap back. It's not that. It's about becoming that finely tuned athlete again in feeling what your body goes through. Like when you see some of these women and what they accomplish, it's like, holy shit, our bodies are amazing. It's so cool. Like seeing some of the women even come back stronger than they were once they had children. Like it's so cool to like the first athlete to ever do that, just open that boundary for us. Because, you know, before it was very okay. Like I want to have kids before I'm 30. Like back in the day, that was our mentality. And you try to train and compete till you're about 30, 35 for me anyway. So in my head, I was like, Hey, when do I freeze my eggs when all this, but just seeing them being able to do it, it just gives me so much hope that like, even as well, like now that Nike for my contract, like it's in there, we get uh, 18 months to come back. No way. Whoa, that's so cool. That's awesome. That just happened because Allison Felix opened that boundary for us. Like without her, it wouldn't be in our contract. And it's just cool to be recognized and being in that society now that I don't like I have to be careful, obviously, if I don't want a kid before marriage. But otherwise, like, I can still have a child and know I can still come back within that 18 months and not lose pay, you know? So I think that that's been really cool and and put my mind at ease for an, uh, I guess you could say for a female athlete, that's given me a lot of opportunity and not stopped my personal life, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I can still live. Like it is one of those things, like I think as a woman, you know, in so many different fields, but obviously specifically as an athlete, you kind of know like what that window is of what your prime years are going to be. But I think even what we thought of as being our prime years have still shifted so much. It really is those like early 30s to like really kind of hitting that groove and getting in that stride. And that's really that time when like mother nature comes knocking at your door and it's like, well, when are we going to have this baby? And you're like, you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place between this career that you've been busting your ass for to like, what does the rest of my future look like for my family? It's such a weird spot for women. I'm like positive about it. Like I know like my sister-in-law she's she was 34 having her first child and so they're gonna have another one and in my head it's just like our technology is so advanced now that I don't even stress about it I don't think about it and also having my eggs frozen like that's so you did do it you did egg freezing no, I didn't. It's actually coming up after Paris. I'm doing it. <gasps> okay, tell me all about this. I just started researching it because I think I'm gonna do it too. What happens? I'm really excited because I obviously work with my track and field like team, our team Newman, and we decided to do it right after Paris. But the reason I can't do it like in between season is because you obviously have to load yourself up with hormones and <laughs> more stuff that I can't have when I'm competing. Oh, you would like pop a drug test for that. Yeah. So there'd be a certain like, yeah, test on there that it would come up as like kind of doping just with the extra, I guess you could say literally testosterone. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's why a lot of athletes actually female like to get pregnant because they get that natural boost and they can't get them for it because they're pregnant. Um, And (laughs) yeah, people come around that and like timed it out perfect that they're like ready and they're like taking on the world because they have this extra boost, you know? Wow. I mean, you got to do whatever you got to do for a medal. (laughs) Do what you got to do. Get those medals. Um, Okay, so motherhood is on the horizon. Um, You are just an exceptional athlete. You hold so many different medals and records in pole vault, um, in track and field. Um, What led you to pole vaulting? How does one even find out that they're good at this? I literally tell people it's like it found me. It's like I 
never knew it existed until like three months before I started trying it. And so I was a gymnast forever and I got like two levels away before national level. I got to level eight in, in elite gymnastics. And that was like, when I was like six or seven, I knew I was going to the Olympics. Like in my head, that's all I wanted to accomplish. And that's all I viewed of like life was. Um, and I knew like, I didn't like sitting at school. Like I was never diagnosed with ADHD, but I probably have it. <laughs> so it was like one of those things that I knew if I got better at gymnastics, I spent less time in school. So I started doing half days. Good um, motivator. <laughs> literally, literally. I know. I don't like to tell kids that, but hey, it worked out some well. Also, when you're focused and you know what you want, though, there's something really special about that, too, of like having that focus. Yeah. And I think my parents were really good at just knowing that you can always go back to school. And for athletics, you never know when it's your last. Like every practice, you take it for the grain of salt because you just don't know if an injury is going to prevail you from like continuing. And that's what happened for me in gymnastics. I fractured my L5 vertebrae and the doctors were just like, yeah, you're 12 years old. How did, how did you do that? I think it's just like they came down. It was a stress fracture. So that's just overtraining. Okay. And, but you can't, it's not even like, oh, the coaches were overtraining her. It's really like we were training 36 hours a week because that's what's mandatory to be at that level. You know, so my body just naturally could not handle that much. And I was pretty tall. Like I, I was like five, 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 six at the age of 12. Yeah. Gymnasts are like short. They're a lot more short. And I think they can compress a little bit more when you're not as limbed, like so long limbed. Um, and so I think it was like a horrible or like a huge, like drastic thing in my life at 13. I was just like, okay, well now what am I going to do? I was half days in school. I don't like school. And I had to take a full year off of all athletics. So from 13 to 14, I just went to school, back to school, normal, normal hours. And then started beating the boys at recess. So they were like, put her in track and field. She's really, really fast. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I started track and did all the events, just tried everything. But it just wasn't like this gymnastics. There's four events. You have like the floor where you're like a dancer. You have the beam where you're like so tunnel vision because it's so small. You have the the bars, which is like very elegant and artsy and Cirque du soleil And then you have the vault, which is like bowl, bowl, <laughs> let release the beast, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So all these different personalities. And for me, track was just so, like the other events were so, um, could you say like everybody could do them, if that makes sense? Sure. Yeah. Um, not like not to a high level, but like anyone could go to a track and run 200 meter and not at the fastest time of Usain Bolt time, but everyone could do it. And so when they like started hearing me speak about that, they're like, do you want to try pole vault? I was like, what's pole vault? <laughs> and then that's kind of how it started. I learned it for three months and then I broke the first, my first meet I did, I broke the meet record. So it was like, I already knew how to flip. I knew how to be in the air. It was really just getting down to the, the basics and the technique. Right. So once I figured all that out, then it became very, very natural to me. And like every year a door opened for me and that's kind of how I just kept, could you say investing time into it? You know, it was like the next year I was the first Canadian woman to jump over four meters in high school. And then it was like, oh, now you have a scholarship to University of Miami. And then it was like, oh, you can turn pro. Now you're an NCAA five-time All-American and runner-up at NCAA. Now we're going to, Nike's going to sign you. And I was like, oh, and then now you can go to the Olympics. And it was just like, these steps just kept coming to me. And it was, it wasn't like these huge goals. They were just like, I loved it. Like I loved being there and I loved working out and I loved training. I loved the way the pole vault made my body look because of course, as a gymnast, 
I had horrible body issues. Isn't it crazy how that like fucks you up so much? So I did gymnastics as well as a kid and track and field, clearly not to the level that you did. But it really is one of those things that just gets in your head. And I remember really early on thinking those things that like you wouldn't expect a little girl to think about, about how you look in your leotard, about these muscles that now are forming all over your body. It's such a like, I mean, you're like proud that your body's able to do these things, but it, it can be such a mindfuck. Oh, yeah. And it was crazy because in gym, it was like, oh, I'm too big. But it was just because I felt taller than all the other girls. And then in track and field, I was like, I don't have as much muscles. I'm more curvy than the track girls. So it was like, I'm never <laughs> satisfied, which is so yeah. crazy because like I got to the highest level and I'm still at the highest level and I'm still like... I could probably be better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is crazy. You never really sat, get satisfied as in, well, in my mentality right now. So when you're talking about going through all of these things and all these different doors opening and then turning pro, what does that mean to turn pro in track and field and as like a pole vaulter? Like, what does that look like? I think a lot of times when we think of athletes turning professional, you think of, you know, the four major sports. But when you're talking about some of these other niche sports, like what does that look like? So for me, turning pro in my definition, I know some athletes, you know, they consider going to a meet and making money as pro. But to me, being pro in my mentality was getting a contract and being paid like a salary. And that has been something, a biggest goal of mine. And I'm very thankful that I got it right out of university. And Nike was my employee, or I guess I was their employee, right? Because I was working for them or competing for them. So that turned really, really fast for me because I was going to go back and do my master's in nutrition. And I was like, there's not many people that get these contracts right out of university or out of college. So I was like, let me just go. Let me just see what happens. And now I've signed my second contract. So I'm in year six pro with Nike. And it's one of those things that you have to be at the top. Like, so I've been the last six years, I've been top 10 in the world. In 2019, I was third in the world. That's the highest I've ever finished. I'm invited to like all the best meets in the world. So it's really cool. That's kind of how you consider yourself professional. You know, they're not only paying you to come to meets now, but you're making appearance fees. You're making, um, I guess you could say if you win and then you get bonuses on top of that too. So I think to me, that's has been like the coolest experience is knowing that like I could do what I love and make money and pay the bills. Like that was something I never wanted to depend on my parents the moment I left their house. And when I was 18, from that day on, I haven't asked for one dollar. Hell yes. <laughs> so it's something really, really proud. And it's not a MBA or NFL, so I'll definitely have to work once I'm done. But I have a great community around me, and I wish I could, oh, you know what, when I'm done, I probably will pass it back on to the next generation. But I invested my money so well that I was able to buy a house, and I'm looking for my second place right now. Good for you. Where do you live? Where are you? So I'm in Toronto. Oh, you are? Look, you buying two places in Toronto? Girl, get after it. Shit. So when you want something in life, you have this, you sacrifice in your determination, but then you also have your needs and your priorities. And for me, I've, I was in a, in a relationship with an NFL player and I'm like the complete opposite. And this is probably why I'm not with a professional athlete anymore. I didn't like how much some, not all, my ex relied on a female being around to support them and her not make money. I hated that. I hated that you know, every Wednesday I was flying down there to support him for his games. And my track kind of came second to our relationship. 
it was eating me away inside that I wanted to be my own moneymaker. I wanted to do all these things myself. And it's not that that lifestyle is not good. It's just, it wasn't for me. I think so many women can relate to that, that like we all want to make our own money and we all want to be independent. And like a lot of times we develop our own identity based off of the things that we do. And when that's gone, it can be like so shadowing. First, I fell in love with him before we both were pro. So him and I dated in university. That love was very, very deep. We cared for each other very, very much. And then once it started getting very serious for him, um, he was two years older than me these demands and this pressure came and he needed that support system to help him out. And that's what you're supposed to be in a relationship. You're supposed to lift them up. You're supposed to be there for when you need them. But it's different because when they go the first year to NFL, they go to these like classes, like one on one, it's called one on one, like NFL, like first couple of weeks, they have these people come in and speak to them and say, like, tell them that like the whole outside world has no idea what they go through. And I think that that was very hard for me because I wanted to be that supportive girlfriend. Because I'm in an amateur sport, I'm so aware that there's more to life than just sport. But the NFL makes you feel like this is your end all be all, right? So long story short is we didn't see eye to eye. So it was very hard for year after year and keeping my mouth shut. I'm like, it's okay if you have a bad season. Like in his head, it was like, they're going to bench me. I'm not going to play. And I was like, you need one good play. You need to just show up and show up and keep like proving to them. And he never liked that. Like, I don't think he ever told me like, like shut up and don't do that. But like in (laughs) my head, it was like, stop putting it out there. That was my mentality. Like I don't put things out there because I don't want bad things to happen. And he was putting it out there. So anyways, I think it's one of those relationship things that that's why they need they need someone there constantly to keep them up, making them feel good, making them feel like they're the best. And to make their life easier because it is a demanding schedule too. And when you're being pulled in different directions and yeah, it can it's a lot. It's definitely it's a struggle and it's a it's like a that balance is not easy to find. Cause yeah, you really I think a lot of them think that they just want someone that can kind of be there to like keep the rest of life afloat while they're busy working. And that's what they expect. And I think a lot of these, um, a lot of the women's, even I still am close with a lot of the women that I was with for the three years that I was there. It's just that they, they're, they're overwhelmed because if they don't perform well on the field, they take this onus. And I almost was like, I'm such an individual sport, right? Like I'm in track. Like if I don't show up, I'm not winning, you know, where if his team went and he was injured, he could still win a Super Bowl. So in my head, I was like, boy, you're still on it. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, take that time off. Like, enjoy your time. He goes, no, that's not how it works. So I think I just, our mentalities never linked up and I value them so much. And I have some, my best friends are in the NFL and I love watching them train and I love training with them because they're so, they work so hard and they're so amazing group of guys. It's just this, this whole lifestyle gets really caught up in their life. And I do think it's just a like it's its own like country. Like it's its own thing that they they play this role because they're in it. It's such a thread of Americana as well. Like that's the thing. I'm I'm from Canada as well. Yeah. Also, like oh, I'm, I, I grew up in. That. Yeah, where did you grow up? London. Oh, I grew up in Ajax. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like an hour. <laughs> yeah, like an hour apart. Um, but I found I live in the United States now and I have for the past like 10 years, but it really is like that when like, I mean, obviously we have like the CFL, which is not truly 
comparable to the NFL. But being here, like seeing like NFL is king. It is number one. Like I, I get how they get really like sucked into what that really means. Yeah. And, and I think it's just like hard because like they speak and they have, they have a lot of downtime with each other. So it's like, well, not a lot of guys get second contracts. Like if you get second contracts, you're in, in. And it's just like, just play, like do what you love. Like remember why you started it. Like, and I tried to be that person and it just was so hard. The moment I was able to like step away from that relationship, I've never been so thankful to get my Sundays back. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, once once you guys did part yeah. ways, you must have. I mean, I'm sure it was heartbreaking and some really horrible things that had to go down to come to that conclusion. But there must have been like a certain sense of relief to like get your lifestyle back and get back to making yourself the priority. Well, and I think, too, like you, you sacrificed like we were in a distance. So there was a point in our relationship where it became a little bit of an open relationship, not on my end, but I had to make that mentality because I wasn't there. Oh gosh. Like I had to almost let that happen to put peace around my bubble. Oh my gosh. You know, like we could talk about this for days. Like that's a whole, (laughs) a whole other six years of my life that I was a part of it. Wait. So you were in like, it was an open relationship that he was like doing whatever he needed to do. A little bit more like protocol, like more like I was like, I could, I'll pick a couple girls. Tell me about this. Oh, my God. I know. How? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I've never tell people this because it's like people are like, why? Like, obviously, my best friends know. But they're like, you're so like, they call me weak. And I'm like, I'm not weak. I'm just like, I'd rather be in Europe competing and know like if he's ha- if he if this is going to. OK, so I have two mentalities. I have this mentality of being the best athlete in the world. And I know what I need personally. I need peace. I need happiness and I need love. Well, I had love from him because when we were together, it was a very strong connection. Him and I were incredible when it was good. When it was bad, it was really bad. But we had that connection. My peace was that constant like confidence coming back. So when I was jumping high and I was getting in the media and I was getting all this hype around my name, I was the best Canadian to ever walk, you know, in women's pole vault. I had that, you know. And then the last was like this full, like I needed like um piece of circle around me. So for that, I installed rules to make it okay for me to be at this elite level. So when I put myself on his shoes, I was like, if he needs this pleasure, he needs this, you know, attention from other females, give that to him. Like, I don't want to stop him from being the best he can be on the field. That's not up to me. That's up to him. But then you can't put this pressure on if you play bad, it's because I'm not there. Oh, okay. Okay. It became a lot of, yes, it was a, oh, Alicia, you're, you know, you're giving him too much. And the more you give him, the more he'll take. But it was a thing. It was like, no, it was like holding him accountable for don't say because I'm not there and we're not, you know, having sex or doing this stuff for each other or even having dinners and romantic dinners or experiences that it's because of me, you're not playing well. And vice versa. This is fascinating. It opened me up so much to happiness, if that makes sense. Because I never felt betrayed until he went outside that realm, you know, and that's when things got bad. And that's when um, things went too far. And that's when you realize you didn't have a mature enough person. Yeah, you gave him an inch and he took a mile. Exactly. And, And I mean, it is what it is. And that's why we didn't work out together because... I gave him a lot of, you know, leeway and he gave me a lot of like me time. And that was the trade-off, you know, I needed to train and I needed to travel around the world, but I couldn't be there. 
I'm assuming people that would listen to this conversation and take that and be like, how could you let your guy do that? I don't understand. But there's like the other part of my brain going like, oh my gosh, okay, so you did that to make your own life easier. You weren't doing it to necessarily make his life easier. You were doing it to like allow you to go do the things that you needed to. It's actually a fucking power move by you. If I don't make a rule, it's going to happen anyways. I'm around it. I get I get DMs like crazy and I'm... I'm an Olympic athlete. I couldn't even imagine what they were getting. Olympic Village, babe, coming in hot. Everybody look out. I know. I had to be single for 2020 because I had to. I had to experience that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I'm assuming it was a good time. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. Tokyo wasn't as amazing. Sure. I'm sure it would have been in Rio. I didn't get to experience because I was in a relationship. But Tokyo, we were able to. But... It was COVID, so people were all worried, so it wasn't as crazy. People weren't swapping saliva as much as they could have been. Yeah, not too many. Not more than one in that one night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I I mean, that's really interesting, and I, I actually appreciate you talking about that, because I feel like a lot of times people don't want to be open about stuff like that and talk about what those circumstances can be like, and and also just like what those demands are like. It's, you know, it's it really is a different lifestyle, and you kind of, I guess, do what you have to do in order to make life carry on. It is what it is. It's one of those things, it's like, I've never been a judgmental person, so like, if that works with you guys then let it work with you guys. And that was our thing. It was like, it worked for a little bit. And then after it was too sloppy. And if you can't pull that rain back and, you know, test the waters, okay, it doesn't work for either one part or the other, the other, then that's when you make the decision. Is this going to work or is this not going to work? And for us, it got a little bit heated beyond that situation, but it was one of those things. I was okay with it. I was able to travel the world and do what I love. And I was at my best when I allowed him to do that and third in the world. And I just missed the podium for world championships that year. And, and I was ready for Tokyo in 2020 and then COVID hit and it just, it is what it is. And, and, but now I, I'm like, I've been single for three years and it's, it's amazing. Living that good life. I see you on those red carpets, girl, just like look out SBs coming in hot in this, that dress. Ooh. So good. So, so good. Um, okay, let's talk about OnlyFans because I feel like that's something that uh, is definitely like a point of conversation. Um, I know that there was an article, right? Did you, you sat down to do an interview and they blew the whole thing out of proportion where they wanted it to just be this like salacious thing about OnlyFans? It was supposed to be about where I was at in my career. And I really wanted to expand on just telling people like, don't feel like you have to have everything right away. Like, and don't feel like you have to get back with a year. And to me, I experienced a lot of things. I experienced domestic violence in 2019. And then I hit COVID and then I got a concussion and then I got injured. So there's just these punches. And I wanted to explain that to people to be like, first of all, don't feel like your journey's done because you've gone through so much, like keep it going. And second of all, I wanted to portray like, don't make a drastic decision. Example, a lot of times in my head, the last year and a half was, do I retire? Because I kept, things just kept coming at me. And I'm like, come on. Like, I'm doing everything right. I'm being a good person. Like, where is this karma coming from? And I kept seeing in my head, like, don't make a drastic decision when you're at your lowest. And so I decided, no, I'm going to go forward to, to Paris. And I'm going to do one more Olympics for sure, for sure. And then we'll decide what we do after. And that it was a beautiful story. It was about motherhood. It was about empowerment. And it wasn't the original journalist, Patrick, that we spoke to we talked for literally two minutes and he wrote the article and we approved it and then his supervisor 
took it down and took the OnlyFans part. It was one, literally a paragraph. Oh my God. And turned it into the whole freaking story. And then it got blown up onto Snapchat. Olympian turns to OnlyFans. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, call my PR guy. I'm like, we got to do something about this. I'm so. Oh, <laughs> God. Do you feel like the perception of the OnlyFans thing has changed since I feel like from the beginning of people being like, wait, what's OnlyFans to what is this to now? All of a sudden, there are a lot of big names attached to OnlyFans and like you can make some cash on there. Holy crap. But oh my gosh, people girl. think it's porn. It's not porn. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It was it was funny because, you know, like to be a billionaire or to be one of the best at something, you have to be the first to do it. And I saw this opportunity, you know, I, I am that frisky out there female. Like I like to wear bikinis. I like to take photos from behind and I like to like show my curves because I don't know when I'm going to lose this body, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I like like pushing the waters in that. And so it was a platform at that time when we spoke and we decided to sign up to it, we knew they were going to go non X rated within four or five months, but nobody knew that. And so I said, you know what, let's take the lash, let's take the the back hate. And but a lot of my fans loved it. Like they're like, oh shit, I can oh, be I'm really sure they did. They're like, okay. And about it. <laughs> yes. And it was a perfect opportunity because COVID hit. There wasn't many sponsors for Tokyo because everything got messed up because it was postponed a year later. And I said, how can I, not only I knew, obviously I was injured going into Tokyo, so I wasn't going to be at my best and I wasn't really fighting for a medal. I was fighting for the experience and going and representing Canada at my best ability. Um, And I said, how can I capitalize on an income from the Olympics and also my brand? And I was like, let's launch OnlyFans and do a 16 week every day. I went live in the Olympic village with it. And I was like, it's only going to be two weeks. Like, this is going to be fun. Girl, I made so much money. Good. Good for you. It's crazy. Hell yes. As you should. Like crazy. Like even like I think within the first hour of like launching it, I had over just 2,500 people sign up at $29.99. That's per month, right? But that was an hour. That was just like 2,500 people. And I was like, mom, we got to shut this because like, (laughs) what am I going to do for my taxes? Where are we moving the money? Like, I don't know what to do. Like I've never had this type of income come in at once. Like all this freaky stuff happened. The billionaires and millionaires, they talk about you need seven revenues, you need money when you're sleeping. That's what type of money you need to make to have this certain lifestyle. And I was like, that's a goal of mine. It wasn't a goal of mine to do it within track, but it was post track. And I'm like, well, if this is going to help me advance and create my wealth, then I might as well do that. And then that's what I decided. And I just decided to keep it. Well, I was really excited. We had some promos coming out when they were switching it to non X rated. And they got so much backlash from the media and their users that they just decided to stay. So part of me just decided not to promote it anymore because of that whole situation. And I'm still on it. And I still get to talk to some fans that have been following me since I've started Instagram. And people get to watch me pole vault every week. I go live every uh, Wednesday on my, on my OnlyFans to watch people pole vault that, or people to watch me pole vault at practice. And it's something fun for me. And it's not about porn or any of that. I mean, I do do like for Halloween, I did the sexy Saturday and I'll do stuff like that, but it's not nudes. It's not me naked. <laughs> there might be a nip slip guy. Stay tuned. Won't sign up. <laughs> it, it might happen. You never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know if you show up with a glass of wine. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, any women that I know that have done it, they feel very empowered and it's like being in the driver's seat to like, yeah, why not turn it around and make some money and like 
if, yeah, I mean, if it's going to be out there and people are going to want to like look at you in that light anyways, you might as well be the one in control of what that creative is and what that narrative is. And like in my head, it's like, it's a full entrepreneurial skill. Like people are already paying me for my, my image and my likeness on Instagram. So why not monetize that on a platform that puts money in your pocket per second, per hour, you know, like you might as well do that. And of course it's like associating with the wrong environment, but in my head, it's like, are you really that naive? Like Cardi B's on it. Yeah. She is who she is, but you think she's over there doing porn? No, she's probably doing like music stuff and all this other things on there. And you get the first exclusivity to all her stuff. And that's the same thing with me. You know, I'm really excited. I'm hoping to launch an NFT for Paris and I want to wear a little um, camera on my jersey. People go on my OnlyFans and buy my NFT and they can watch me compete. That's a goal of mine to do for my fans. And it's, I wouldn't be where I am without my brand. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and and the government of Canada is nice. They give us some stipends a month, but it's not, it's not enough money to live on for food, for rent or for mortgage, right? Oh my God. I know. It's absurd. It freaks me out. It's so crazy. Oh my gosh, girl. These prices right now. It's insane. So at the end of the day, it's one of those things. I, I love the platform because of what it's been able to bring me opportunities. And now I'm looking at my second place. I'm going to Airbnb that place and then monetize off of the Airbnb. Well, I'll use it next time I come into the city. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be you there. Can. <laughs> you can stay, whatever. When did wrestling become the thing for you? Was it, was it super early on? I loved wrestling when I was a kid, but no one in my family watched wrestling. My mom didn't watch it. My Stepdad didn't watch it. Like they just never turned the channel if I was watching it. Like so, they just kind of went, "All right, he's sitting still, <laughs> leave him alone." They just they never changed the <laughs> yeah. channel. But I remember being—I want to say this before my stepdad came into the picture. So I might have been like seven or eight, and I was over at my uncle's house, and a bunch of the kids were there, and we were watching a pay-per-view, and I can't remember which one it was for the life of me. But I was sitting at the back with a couple of my cousins, and my two uncles were sitting on opposite sides of the room. And all I remember is the Ultimate Warrior came out. I used to love the Ultimate Warrior when I was a kid. How could you not? The tassels and the hair and the mask and the makeup and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. But I can't remember who he was wrestling. It might have been Rick Rude or maybe Honky Tonk Man. But when he beat him, my two uncles, not kids, my two grown men uncles jumped to their feet on opposite sides of the room to high-five each other and met in the middle. And I just remember going like, whoa, like, that's how I, like, yeah. And I start high five and two. And I just remember thinking like, that was an incredible feeling. Now knowing what I know, looking back on it, I was like, that might've been the moment where I went, I want to make my uncles do that. I want to make other grown men and other grown women and kids do that all alike. That probably sticks out in the moment where I really wanted to try and give this a go. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was my two uncles just high fiving in the middle of all these children watching a pay-per-view. What has like your story with wrestling been in terms of like getting your start, uh, you know, the yeses, the nos, being at WWE, going, not being at WWE, now being in AEW. Um, what's the thing that kind of keeps you motivated? What's like your love story with wrestling? I'm glad we get to kind of cover a little bit of this because for a long time and in other interviews, I've given the, you know, And I apologize to any other interviewees who are going to be watching this, but I've given the general generic answer of, oh, it's been great. I love professional wrestling and I'm very happy. The reality is it's been a love-hate relationship. 
it has been um, up and down. It has been um, a lot of down, but uh, yeah, there, there's, there has been times where I've hated this industry. And the reason being is because it's, it's, it's entertainment. And, you know, without pulling the curtain back too much, there are just things you're not in control of. So it can have a tendency to make you feel like you're not good enough, despite um, how hard you're working, despite um, how much time or effort you're giving to the industry, uh, and despite what the audience may be doing. It just might not be your number. And this business doesn't owe anybody anything. You've heard that before, and anybody who's been in it for an extended period of time will agree. It doesn't owe us anything. It moves on with or without us. If you ask anybody, any wrestler who's come on here, who's your Mount Rushmore? Number one, that is the most impossible question to answer, in my opinion. There's so many categories. <laughs> yeah. Can't answer that. So don't ask me that. So what keeps me kind of motivated and what keeps me kind of going is knowing that my legacy the legacy I leave behind will have nothing to do with pro wrestling, in my opinion. No one's going to probably remember me in great detail after I'm gone, but my son will. My son will know what I've done. My future children will know what I've done. My family knows what I've done. So my nieces and nephews will know what I have done. And if that is enough to kind of guide them down a path, a good path that can be beneficial to their life and the life that they create with someone going forward, I've done my job on this earth. I, I, I know that sounds a little weird or odd. Um, but I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's just about um, if I can inspire people around me, great, wonderful. People come to shows, fantastic. Like I mentioned about those DMs that came in after what I said about my mother, wonderful. I will talk with people all day long and hopefully help in any way I can. But at the end of the day, my legacy is going to be remembered by my family the most. And that is what matters most to me. So that's what keeps me kind of going forward. And that's kind of why I've recently had a bit of a change of heart. My son is going to go back and watch a lot of things that I did. And he's going to question, why did you hit that guy in the head with a chair? Why is he bleeding so much? And I got to explain to him, it was a time in my life. So with the limited time that I have left in wrestling, I want to be able to show that I can do some good too. And that starts with being honest a lot. It's one of those funny things too, because I feel like when I think about like my relationship with professional wrestling, and you're right, there's the ups, there's the downs. Sometimes it doesn't love you back the way that, that you love what you get to do. But then I literally can like look around my household. It's like, man, I met my husband there. We now have a child, like all of those things. I mean, it's like that hilarious term of like everything's pro wrestling, but like my whole life is that. And if that's the things that I get from the world of pro wrestling, then hell yeah. I mean, the accolades and, you know, whatever, having a great job and being financially stable, those things are obviously great to have. But like my entire family is essentially rooted in this industry. I did not see that on my bingo card when I started <laughs> working in this world. I had no idea. Not a clue. And I don't know if, if any of us, do and um i don't know you're the same way as me and when uh, i knew we were going to do this i was thinking about it yesterday like i remember watching you on the score like way way back when and if we think about it like fast forward x amount of years that have gone by just like this if i asked you to pinpoint a moment where you felt you made it could you pinpoint one 
Probably not. I don't know. Could you? No, not at all. That's that's my point is that all of a sudden, like, I remember saying, oh, well, man, I want a t-shirt. How come everybody's getting a t-shirt and not me? And I want an action figure. How come everybody's getting an action figure and not me? And then I hope I'm in a video game one day and all of a sudden, all these things that you hope for have happened. And we sit here and go, oh, so does that mean that we didn't take enough time to enjoy those moments when they happen? Are we moving too fast? Or do we need to kind of take a step back and go, damn, like, did all right. I survived this business where a lot of people don't in some way, shape or form. So to your point about taking a look around and going, you know, my kids are going to be okay. My family's going to be okay. This business doesn't have to love you back at all, but how you're able to navigate through all those no's or navigate through those roadblocks mm -hmm. through or around, you're able to at least inspire or help other people go, no, 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 don't yeah. take that way. Take that way. And one thing I love doing is teaching and I'm able to prepare students or even talent on the roster that have five, six, seven years in when they're frustrated and they come to me and they go, this is horse shit. What the, and I go, this is how it is. And it's just temporary. The bad times are temporary. The good times are temporary too. You got to take the good with the bad. I always feel like success takes a lot longer to achieve in professional wrestling than maybe it does, whether it's another sport. I would kind of make it like liken it more to maybe like an actor's career that sometimes it takes a little bit longer to really generate that buzz and generate that fan base and whatnot. But what do you think it is about wrestling? I mean, yes, you are a, you're a teacher. You're a great teacher. Um, you've got your your training school flatbacks with uh, with good old breezy boy. Um, the Canadians. Yeah, I know, right? What is with Canadians and pro wrestling? Jeez. We're everywhere. <laughs> so great. But yeah, it's something about like the, you've really got to put so much time in. And I mean, you mentioned it just a second ago about wanting to be as honest as you can. And you also were talking about how much time you have left doing this. Where do you kind of stand on that? The thing about, a wrestling audience, in my opinion, is they're, they're some of the most critical people of all sports fan base, in my opinion, that there is. But at the same time, they're also the most loyal. Case in point, I'm gone for five months, which is a long time in the world of entertainment. There have been athletes and other sports teams that are gone five months, and you're like, what team does he play for? Some people just forget. Our wrestling fan base does not forget. That's why people can go away and have children and come back five, six, seven years later and they're welcome back with open arms because our audience just cares. Whether they like to admit it or not, they do. Wrestling is just, it's built and based a lot of it on ego. I had people tell me that it wasn't a good idea. Sadly, I had my mother and father tell me face to face, it's not a good idea. You're going to be hurt and home in three weeks. So no, we'd rather you go work at a casino not knowing that I already paid $4,000 to go to a wrestling school and I just hadn't told them yet. It's, it's a, such an individual drive and a push that it's so hard to explain. If you feel that you're on the right track, you're supposed to be doing something, you, you gotta see it all the way through. And when I said earlier about some things are out of your control, yes, in the world of sports entertainment, it ain't your show, man. So no matter how prepared you are or how good you think you are, if someone else wants something to be a certain way, it will be that way. 
But that doesn't mean I shouldn't work as hard. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't keep trying. That doesn't mean that I students shouldn't stay as sharp as I can be because that you're doing a disservice to you as a professional. I am winding down. I don't have a lot of time left. That's probably the main reason why I put pressure on myself now. Is that like contractually or body-wise? Both. Body-wise, I'm in, I'm in really good shape. That I'm in great shape, bro. Best shape of my life. I'm, I mean it in a sense where I've never been uh, uh, at the main event, top of the card, champion schedule. You understand the champion schedule. John is all over the place. That's a champion schedule. A champion schedule is staying to the end of the night. You're last. You're going out there 30 minutes every night and busting your ass. And then you're jumping in a car and you're driving to where you got to go. I never had to do the champion schedule. So my body, after almost 21 years, is in really good condition based on what I have have done. But there's very few things that I would like to do left in wrestling. And I've been pushing to try and check off a few of those boxes before my time is done. Uh, And it's been difficult and it's been a challenge, but not more challenging than anything else I've been through in 20 plus years. So uh, that's where I put the pressure on myself nowadays, if I'm being honest. What are some of those things? How do you kind of see this going if you're able to just put on like your booker hat and you're writing your next couple programs? What do those look like for you? So my favorite uh, picture of all time, aside from anything my wife is currently in or will be in the future with my son, is uh, Brody. Brody Lee, very good friend of mine. He has a picture with his son, both sons actually holding the TNT title. And they're both so happy and they're both so like, you can see it on his face, how proud he is. And you can see how proud they are of him. You know, he's their hero. I want that same thing between me and my son. When my son comes to me one day and says, I want to be, you know, a World Series baseball player. Yeah, you can do it. Think so? Yeah. Here's why. This is what dad did. This is dad's reward. And he gets to hold it and see it and look at it. And... You know, that's what I'm envious of John of. Like, Nora's one day going to be able to pick up his stuff and go, Dad, what's this? And he gets to tell her stories. And he gets to tell her about that moment. And hopefully that inspires her to go, I want my moment too. And then she goes and chases. That's the idea behind that. So my goal is to be decorated, is to win a championship in a major company, AEW or elsewhere. That is my goal. Just so I can have that time and that prize to show my son in the future. What title is that to you? Which one would you love to have around your waist or shoulder for that photo? Being completely honest, I have always seen myself as an intercontinental champion. I knew you were going to say that for some reason. You, you have that IC champ glow. <laughs> so I grew up on the Mr. Perfects and the Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warriors. And then as I got into wrestling, it was always known as the Workhorse Championship. So I'd always seen myself in that zone. So in a perfect world, yeah, be the Intercontinental Championship. I like that answer. That is a good answer. I feel like that. Yeah, you definitely like fall into that category of like the one that everyone in the locker room to is kind of like, yes, finally, let's like, let's get this. Let's get this championship run going. It doesn't have to be long. It just has to happen. You know what I, you know what I mean? It just it's a moment in time. It's not about the title. It's about the chase. It's about the journey. That's to me, storytelling. If I keep putting it out there positively and keep staying ready so I never have to get ready, maybe, but 
Maybe not. We manifest here. We manifest things over here. Um, okay, let's talk flatbacks um, really quickly here. Um, how did this concept come together for you and Breeze to start this wrestling school? Uh, it was his idea, and I was refused immediately. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, so he, had, I just actually left WWE. And probably about two months later, he's like, hey, what do you think about opening up a school? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I'm thinking of going over here and I'm hoping I can go over here. And I just don't know the schedule, the time frame, because he was still in NXT. He was still wrestling full time as well. But uh, it was mainly decided after I went to do a seminar not long after I left. And I asked in Florida and I asked him to come with me. Just come with me. Da, 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 da. You know, help me out. And... Um, no disrespect to anybody in the area or to how anybody decides to teach, to each their own. But we have realized during that seminar that there was a lot of gaps that uh, fundamentally that young kids were being taught. And to the point where some kids who had five, six years in were like, okay, throw a punch. And they're like, oh, I haven't been taught how to throw a punch. And we're like, oh, okay. So strikes are a big fundamental thing in our industry. <laughs> um, so it's, it, it was things like that that were like, okay. And then the mindset of a lot of young kids too um, weren't exactly healthy. Like how so? What do you mean? So a lot of students would be staying at the same place, training five, six, seven years in. Okay. I'll have you branched out at all. No, no, no. I just kind of come train here. I do shows locally. It's like, look at our school. Once you're trained, fundamentally, you have the very basics. You're not a polished product. You're not a finished product. You have the very basic fundamental tools to go out and start working, start figuring out who you are. You need experience in front of an audience. But I think some places that charge, you know, a monthly fee or it's, you know, we just want to make sure that we were kind of going to put young students in the best possible position to succeed. One way or the other, you're going to find out without wasting a great deal of time if this is something you truly want to do or if it's not. Because at the end of the day, you know, more than most people, like how brutal this can be on your body. This beats the shit out of you. If you're going to do that to your body, there has to be kind of a, a goal in mind or a reward at the end of the tunnel. Uh, something to chase. But it was Breeze's idea. And I was like, nope, not a chance. And then he kind of, based on what everything I just told you, he kind of said like, look, we kind of owe it to these kids to kind of guide whoever wants to come here in the right direction. He's right. He Gotta push 100%. those little baby birds out of the nest. Make them fly, baby. Make them fly. Get out there. That's how I learned. And, you know, I can go into stories about, God, practicing in Puerto Rico while drive-bys were happening. And I could, I could tell you all this stuff that looking back on now, you're like, wow, why did I? Why was I there? Why was that situation happening? Yeah, well, how was I in that position? <laughs> But at the same time, we can have a laugh about sure. it now going like... It's living, baby. It's a different business. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's living that Get way. Get out there. You know? Um, I don't know if you can give me the insider scoop to this, but is Tyler Breeze ever going to wrestle ever again? Or is he just done? He can't be done. So I tell him that all the time, too, because he still works out. He's still in shape. He could use a little self-tanner. Let's put that out there. Oh, 100%. <laughs> for, for a guy who claims to be a male model, yeah, you better use the best, the best of the best self-tank. <laughs> um, but there'll be times where we'll we'll hop in the ring and have 20, 25 minutes. We just did that a couple weeks ago with the guns. Just at the school, just get some cardio in and we'll go 20, 25 minutes of a tag match. And he can still go. He can still, still do everything, still works out, still does. But if I say to him, 
hey man, you get ready for a second round? He goes, nah, retired. <laughs> so I don't know. That's the, that's the true answer. But I see, I see the excitement sometimes when he hops in. So I think uh, he, he's done very well for himself. He's a very smart guy. I know. That's why it's such a question mark. It's like he doesn't need it. He's fine. He does just fine. I think it still creeps in every now and then. And I only know that because of how passionate he is when he teaches too. So if he didn't care, he'd be a little more relaxed. I think it's still there a little bit. It's just a matter of uh, timing or the right opportunity presenting itself. Uh, but I, I hope, honestly, that he's not done because he still has a lot to offer. He still does offer a lot. But, I mean, just an incredible coach, good human being, and, uh, you know, a benefit to this industry. Yeah, he's aight. We don't mind him. He's Canadian, so I tolerate him. Yeah, I mean, we have to, right? I mean, he's from BC. Makes it a little more questionable, but we'll take it. <laughs> um, okay, my last question to you. This is not a Mount Rushmore question. This is I hope a, not. you're starting your own wrestling promotion. Who are your top five guys and girls that you are uh, drafting to build a promotion around? Who's the future of this business? As someone that looks at things through a trainer's eyes, you get to spend a lot of time with different people. Who are you attaching your cart to? Oh, man. Buggy to the horse, is that the saying? That's so... Cart to the horse? I don't fucking know. <laughs> the old, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's worse. I think that's worse than the Mount Rushmore question, buddy. Well, Shit. I at least give you like a little space to move. I gave you five, not ten, five. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You can, you can pick someone that's like you get someone that's a mouthpiece. You can get someone that you know can put on a, a 60 minute Iron Match. You can Iron Man match. You can have uh, a great character. There's lots to work with. The world is your oyster. There's a ton to work with. And, uh, and some people might be offended that I leave them out. I know. So uh, a few off the top of my head. Uh, Miz. I'm going to throw the Miz out there only because um, the guy's so reliable. He's so well-rounded. I can put him in a wrestling ring. I could also put him on a TV show. I could put him on a talk show. He's very good for promoting. The guy's a professional through and through. And his work ethic is second to none. So uh, Miz is on my list of guys that I would start things up with. Uh, Randy Orton, things pound for pound, one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet. MJF, if I'm building for the future, a guy who gets it at an extraordinarily young age. Two more um, spots. Oh my gosh, it's so tough. I'd throw Cody Rhodes in there as well. Cody Rhodes is a good one to put in just because, um, you know, forget lineage aside, the guy just knows how to carry himself and represent a company at the highest of standards. So, you know what? Me, damn it. Hell yeah. Good fucking answer. If it's my company, I'm gonna. I'm the workhorse. I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna make sure TV's done on time. I'm gonna make sure that we hit all the marks we're hitting. And I just wouldn't put the title on myself. It was my company. That's the only thing I wouldn't do. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a taboo. That's a no no. Um, Fair enough. But to be able to get in there, and mix it up with those guys again, and stuff like that would be. Uh, that's kind of copping out on you a little bit on one more. But you know. No, it's all right. I, I like it. Listen, it was your answer to your question to answer. I speak for a living. Welcome to the show. Wow, I cannot talk today. Derp -a -derp -a -derp. I think you're holding up just fine, buddy. It's fine. Well, listen, I know you're a busy man. You've got lots of things to do. I'm sure your wife needs you to, you know, elevate her feet, get her a snack, rub her back, whatever she needs. You go do that. Um, super, super happy for you guys, honestly. Like, the biggest congratulations. You guys are going to be amazing, amazing parents. 
If you have any questions, I'm your girl. Oh, you you already know that. We've already <laughs> spoke off off screen and said we're gonna bug you. Great. Because like a lot of our wrestling friends have not a lot, but a few have babies now, but a lot of our friends outside, like not yet or I know. So and we have family scattered, families in Canada, families in Australia. So we don't really have anybody kind of local. So we are gonna bug you. How crazy, by the way, that you're going to have an American child while you are Canadian and your wife is Australian. Didn't see that coming. That wasn't in my bingo card, I tell you that Isn't much. that crazy? Can you get your citizenship based off your child being American? I don't think so. Damn it. I don't think so. But if I don't get my citizenship, he's kind of screwed, I think. <laughs> so I, I kind of have to now. But I think you can only get... Two. So I think they only want you to have two. So he's going to be American and either Canadian or Australian. Oh, shit. He's got a pick. Some places allow you three, but I don't, I don't believe. I have to do more homework on it. I think just in passing, I've seen that somewhere. I could be wrong. You guys are going to have to do like PowerPoint presentations. You got to represent Canada. She'll represent Australia and he can make the choice. Cass is going to make the choice for both of us. She's <laughs> like, no, he's Australian. I was like, and I said, well, he'll, he'll probably do better with the ladies if he's part Australian. Yeah, he'll, yeah. Sure, sure. So. Hey, it's all under Commonwealth, though, so maybe there's some kind of... Loophole. Yeah, there's something there. There's got to be, I'm sure. But what a lucky kid, huh? So lucky. What I would have given to have multiple passports as a child. I would have I would have been busy. But now Nora will. Nora, <laughs> Nora's got the best of both worlds, correct? Yes. I know. Well, I, I actually don't have her Canadian yet. But it is on my to-do list. I have all the paperwork and stuff to do it. I just need to knock it out. Yeah. But she Options will be. are good. She'll know. Oh, she will know. She knows all about it. No Hell excuse, yeah. kid. No excuses now. Nope. None <laughs> at all. None at all. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I really appreciate you just so like honestly talking about things. I know some things obviously pretty difficult to, to talk about. And, um, you know, my condolences to your entire family on the passing of your mom. She sounds like she was just an absolute gem of a human being. Oh, thank you. It's always easy to talk to someone who's a sweetheart. So you're a pro. I appreciate you. And this was my pleasure. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there and you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there and jump in the comment section, you know, jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions. 